Our fifth lesson comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be ever more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself that must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're starting a new sermon series uh, this Advent season entitled Longing for More. And we're going to look at various things that all of us in our human condition uh, and as well as as Christians that we long for. And this morning we're going to look at the longing that we have for love. But before we do that, let me pray for us as we begin. Dear Lord, as we sit in the silence of this place, as we have time to focus, as we have time to contemplate perhaps more uh, than we ever, that we have all week, we consider whether you might have something to say for us and whether this morning we might be able to hear your voice. And we realize that there's so much static that is able to prevent that, that is standing in the way of that. There's the static of our very busy calendars this Christmas season, the static of a boisterous world that is calling for our attention, commercial interests that are demanding our devotion, and there's the static this week of a nation still divided along racial and ideological and economic lines. There's so much static, some of it important, but a lot of it not. If we're honest, there's a lot of static also in our own hearts. There's a lot of white noise. There's frustration with others, some people who are far away, some people uh, with some, it's the person next to us. Maybe we're disappointed with ourselves, and with that comes guilt and shame and denial. And so we ask you, by your power, by your spirit, that you might hush the negative, the distracting, damaging voices in our lives, so that we might hear from you, so that we might listen to you. Speak to us, we pray, and give us your joy, give us your delight, and may we delight in you afresh this Advent season. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Since um, my family has moved to the West Coast, we have generally, each and every Christmas season, gone out to a tree farm and cut down our own tree. We make the trek out to a tree farm through the cold like the Griswold family, 
and cut down a tree by hand and mount it on top of our truck and take it home. And it's inevitably too big when we get it home. Well, this season, life seems a little bit more complicated, and so maybe we'll just go down to Walgreens and find a pre-cut tree. But either way, what do we do with this tree? Well, we bring it home, we take it off the top of the truck, we bring it inside, we turn on Christmas music, we pull out the ornaments, we pull out the lights, and after about an hour of untangling the lights, we begin to decorate the tree. And you know what? It looks cool. It looks very cheery, it looks very seasonal, it's decorated, it's literally lit up, it stands out far more than it did when it was in the field. Alongside all of those other trees, it looked exactly the same. Now it looks beautiful, unlike before, but now it's also dead. And it will go on looking beautiful and unique for about four to five weeks, and then it will dry out and become a major fire hazard because it's dead. Well, Jesus is calling you and I to bear fruit, to be beautiful for him, to be branches that show your delight in him. And he's saying that the only way that you can do that is is if you are connected to him, if you're in the vine. And what passes down that vine? What are the nutrients that the branches receive? Well, Jesus tells us here that it's love. That what comes from the vine down through the branches and hopefully beyond is love. Verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now during Advent, I try to shorten my sermons. I try, at least. I think of George Bernard Shaw, I think it was who said that I was going to write you a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. It's kind of how I feel with sermons. It's harder to write shorter sermons, but I'm going to try this season. And what I'd like us to do each and every week during the time of the the sermon, the reading of the Word, is really just focus on one thing, one theme, one thought for that particular week. And this morning, it's that idea in verse 9. There's a lot of things in this passage that I read uh, as uh, preamble, but we don't have time to deal with all of that. What I'd like to consider this morning is our longing for more, and our longing for love, and how we find that in Jesus. I want us to meditate on the fact that Jesus says to us, Jesus says to you, that as, or equal to, the way in which my Father loves me, so I love you. One of the things that's strange for people who are encountering Christianity for the first time, and one of the things that's difficult for any of us to get our head around, even if we've been Christians for quite a while, is the idea of the eternity of God, this idea that God has existed three in one for all of eternity. It's hard to, hard to conceptualize that, but it's very crucial for us to at least begin to understand it, and it helps to open up a window on this passage because what the Bible tells us that in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, There has always been love exchanging, being given, and being received among the members of the Trinity. In other words, love precedes creation. Love is actually the cause of creation. Think about it with me, if you will. Love is at the very roots of reality. It's at the bottom of all things. It is something more profound than existence itself because it precedes existence of the material world. That 
And that alone explains why loneliness and our experience of loneliness, our longing for love, and yet not being able to quite grasp it, not being able to get enough of it, is so universally experienced. We're all created to be loved. We're created out of love, and we're created in order that we would give love. But we look for it in ways, we try to grasp it in ways that draws us away from the solution to that longing, from the very source of that love. Country singer Johnny Lee, back in the 70s, recorded a hit song for the John Travolta classic, Urban Cowboy. He says, you're looking for love in, anyone know? All the wrong places. Some, something to feel, fill those little empty spaces. So you're looking for love in all the wrong places. It's so corny, right? But it's so true. We're built to love, and we're built to experience love, but we seek out love in ways that gives us a momentary sensation. It gives us a reflection of love, but not the real thing. No one knows who this quote is attributed to. I've heard Graham Greene, I've heard Chesterton, I've heard George MacDonald, but someone said, everyone who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. Is a man visiting a brothel looking for physical pleasure? Not primarily. He's looking for a real person to tell him that he's loved and he's willing to settle for a lie in order to receive that message. He's, he's willing to settle for the physical symbolism of love rather than the real thing itself. Maybe you and I aren't paying for that semblance of love, but don't we understand that craving? Don't we understand how we mess up our pursuit of love? Aren't we willing to manipulate others to get a sense of love, to try and acquire that from someone? Don't we hide our our true selves, our true identity from the people that are giving us love because we're fearful that if they see who we really are, they may stop loving us? There was a study that came out this week by an anthropologist at Rutgers, and it was trying to answer this question of, do we need love as much as sex and food? And this research said that romantic love is not so much a swelling of emotions, but it's a physical drive that's as powerful as our drive for hunger or our drive for food. And the study says people don't die for sex. She, the main author, she says people don't die for sex. And I've looked at poetry all over the world, even as far back as 4,000 years ago. But people live for love. They die for love. They sing for love. They dance for love. Love is something that is so profoundly at the foundation of our created order, and it's foundationally at the, it's so profoundly at the foundation of who we are. It's built into our DNA. It's woven into the fabric of who we are as persons. And love with other human beings, that exchange of love is in fact indispensable. It's something that, that we can't replace. But at the same time, what Jesus is saying, and the Bible says over and over, is that the actual need for love is so profound and so deep that no human and no created thing can ever fully satisfy it. And we can never be the kinds of lovers and friends that we want to be until we deal with our desires, our drives, our longing for love in a spiritual, in a foundational in a lasting way. C.S. Lewis writing in Mere Christianity, he says, if I find in myself 
a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. I must take care not to despise earthly blessings, but also never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. Advent helps us understand what earthly love is a copy of, is an echo of. That the only way to really satisfy our deep hunger for love doesn't come from within the world, but actually comes from before its very foundation, before the foundation of time. And it's this love, this friendship with Jesus that is at the root of our hunger and that's actually the solution to that hunger. And Jesus is not something that through our spirituality, through our devotion, through our hard work that we one day acquire, but now presently it is a gift to be received. This gift says, Jesus says, that you are loved as intensely and as fully as the eternal love that God the Father and the Son share with one another. We could meditate on that thought alone for all of the Advent season. You see, we long to give gifts because the one who made us is the gift-giving God. And the greatest gift that he puts in front of us is the gift of eternal love. It's the gift of his son, the God who has made us with the insatiable drive, the insatiable desire, this continual longing for love also offers in himself the very way to fill it, the very solution. To give and to receive love is incredible. To give and to receive gifts is amazing, and we'll experience that most likely over this time of Christmas. This is wonderful. But we can have all the human love that we can acquire. We can hoard all of the gifts that we can possibly be given. And yet it's, it is the gift of God's love. It is until we open that gift, the gift of His Son, that which we're really looking for in the expectation that we have in receiving other gifts. It is not until then that we'll be fully satiated, begin to be at least, and my hope today, my hope this Advent season, is that you will receive this gift. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for a season of reflection, a season of meditation, a season that hopefully, if not still in our calendar, in our driving to and fro, in our visiting with friends, will give us a place to be still in our hearts and contemplate the love that you have given us, the love that you offer to us if we've not yet taken hold of it. And so, Father, I pray that as we continue to uh, worship through this Advent season, for those of us who are Christians, that we would worship you, that we would revel in that gift of your grace. If we're still on the outside looking in, that we would maybe contemplate receiving that gift for the very first time. And Father, I pray as we confess our faith and as we come to this table that you would let us receive the gift of your eternal love more fully. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.